I'm going to preach a message to you today called the gift of virginity. Are you ready for this? I've been promoting this for several weeks now and excited about being able to share this message with you. We're going to talk about the gift of virginity. So I want you to, to look at your neighbor and say this, Pastor Brian is going to go there today. Just look at him and say, Pastor Brian's going to go there today. He's going there. He is going there. And the reason why is because the world goes there. I'm going to try that on this side of the pulpit. I said the reason why is because the world goes there. They don't just go there. They go there. The internet goes there. And so we're going to talk today about what the Word of God says concerning this. Because, you know, for far too long... We, and especially talking to parents here today, I'm going to start talking to, with talking to you because for far too long we have just said, well, you, you just need to abstain. And the reason is, is because we say, well, it's wrong, it's immoral, it's ungodly, it's sin, that's true. We may say, uh, you may get pregnant, you may get a disease, and all that is, is true. But there is actually a higher reason that we're going to look at in the Word of God this morning concerning the gift of virginity, for gift of virginity. Now, I want to just read to you this, and this is so alarming, it should just wake us up and shake us, and I'm going to start talking to the parents this morning. The average age, I said average, not the minimum. I said average age. The average age at which a child is exposed to sexual content online is 11, the average age. And listen to me, parents, it is on us. It is on us. We have to take responsibility. Now, if you're like me, and if you're of my age, or somewhere around my age, this young, then perhaps maybe you didn't grow up with the internet. We grew up where we actually went outside. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right. And so the internet is, is not something we grew up with, but uh, most of us, we did not have phones growing up, we did not have the internet growing up, but that's not an excuse for being blind, for being unaware, for allowing things to slide. We have to work. We have to apply ourselves. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child. Train. I said train. That means it is work. It's going to require effort. It is going to require discipline. Train up a child in the way that he should go. That means that parenting is this. It is called work. It is work. It is necessary. It is effort. We've got to work at this thing. We've got to fight for our kids. We've got to discipline. We've got to train. We've got to set up boundaries. Huh? I've been saying this verse for so long. I've been preaching this verse for years. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7. It says, do not awaken. It says, promise me, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not awaken or do not stir up love until the time is right. Don't do it. Don't stir it up. Don't allow the emotions. Don't allow the feelings to be, to be woken up in your child. You've got to wait for those things. Man, there is an age for it. And if it's too early, it is dangerous. 
I've had parents say to me, this is such a flawed way of thinking. Well, I would rather have my child do it in front of me than to do it behind my back. And I say back to them, is that also true of smoking? Is it also true of getting drunk? Is it also true uh, of, of doing drugs? Is it also true of having sex? Is it also true of any of those things? You say, well, pastor, those, those things are harmful for your child. So is dating too early. We have never thought that that was cute or funny, that boy-girl thing. We've never tried to entertain that with our kids. We've never joked around with them like that. We don't think it's funny. We have said, no, we will not stir up. We will not allow television shows or media, these things, or music, to try to stir up emotions in them because we're not supposed to have those at a certain age. So can I talk to you for just a minute about establishing and setting up boundaries, setting up boundaries so that we can guard our kids. The first thing I want to give you is this, guard access to the internet. Filter, put a filter with accountability software. If they can download and erase apps without your knowledge, you are failing in that department. You have to set up some kind of safeguard. You have to be able to, to guard what they can download. If they can access it, then guess what? They can access 4 million pornographic websites. So we have to put some kind of safeguard on it. Now, there are some things, there are some apps like Instagram and Snapchat, virtually untraceable. The history can be deleted and a parent would never know. That's why every now and then you just got to grab their phone. Glory to God. Just take it right from them. Just snatch it right of their hands. Let me just Snapchat that right away from you. Let me just <laughs> snatch it right out your hand. And you just got to look at it. You got to look for text messages that are disjointed and it looks like things have been deleted. And then you got to ask questions. Why? Because their life is at stake. I don't know if you saw a video that was just amazing several, several months ago on the internet. It became viral. It just started making its way around. Uh, of a, in a CVS store, a man tried to snatch a young girl who was only just two or three feet away from the mother. In broad daylight, right with the mom standing right next to her. And the mom held on to this daughter, and the man is dragging the little girl. Looks like she's about 11, 10, 11 years old. He's trying to drag her out the front door, and the mom literally has this daughter by the leg, holding on for dear life. And of course, the police came, and, and the man wasn't able to do what he wanted to do. But that's how we have to be as parents. We've got to grab a hold for dear life. Their life is at stake. And so we've got to guard and set up these boundaries. And the internet is after your child. The second thing is this. Guard the sleepovers. I know this may be controversial to some, but I'm telling you, guard the sleepovers. I was talking to a parent this week, and they said this, that their adult child came to them. And said, you know what, mom, the one thing that I think could have been different for me as a child is to not let me sleep over. Because everything I ever did wrong, I did wrong at a sleepover. And the parent 
said, you know what? I begin to think about it. And everything I ever did wrong, I did at a sleepover. And I'm talking to them on the phone and I begin to think about it. And I went, you know what? Everything I ever did wrong, I did at a sleepover. Listen, I don't care who gets offended in my world. We're going to guard these things. You understand? Because your child's life is to say, hey, listen, guard the sleepovers. You just got to guard them. I told the story several times where my son, who's 19 now, when he was just 10 years old, he slept over somebody's house, a man in the church. I knew the man. I knew his wife. I knew the kids. They came to our church regularly. They were Christians. They were going to have a big sleepover for this boy's birthday, and we didn't want him to miss out on the birthday. And he comes home, my son Caleb comes home the very next day, petrified, just terrified, would not sleep in his room, just, 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 and we said, son, what happened? He said, we rented a horror movie. I said, what? He said, dad, it was, and dad, he went and showed us the trailer for it. I couldn't believe it. So I called the guy, I said, hey, what happened? What was going on? He said, you know, this is back when you walked in the blockbuster. He said, oh, I, we, we walked in the blockbuster. I had, I had thoughts that I was going to get this one movie, but, you know, he had three little 10-year-old boys with him. He said, but, you know, these, these boys, they just twisted my arm. I said, you're, you're 40 years old. You weigh 220 pounds. What do you mean they twisted your arm? You could have wiped them all out. Boom, boom, boom. They're gone. What do you mean they twisted your arm? Of course, he's talking figuratively. I said, no, no, no. You can't let that happen beg and plead all you want. I tell my kids, keep begging. It's entertainment for me. Go ahead. I'm not giving in. Okay, why? Because your life is at stake. We didn't allow rated R movies. We didn't allow horror. Still don't watch horror movies. I don't get that. Like, I don't, I don't have a file for that. I watched Friday the 13th. You couldn't kill him? I'm out. I'm like, well, hey, I'm out of this thing. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Not gonna watch another one as long as I live. I was done. That's it. If you can't kill him, what's the point? I'm not watching this anymore. But they breed spirits of fear. I'm telling you the truth. They breed spirits of fear. And so we just, we said, no, you're not, you're not having this. We don't watch those kind of movies. Listen, and we established right then and there, listen, not every parent has our boundaries or our morals. But we're going to do what we can to guard and protect our children. The third thing is this. Listen to their music, man. Because, listen, they're going to act out what they hear. I said, they're going to act out what they hear. Do you know the songs that they're listening to? Have you checked their phone? Have you looked at it? Have you gone through and scrolled through some of the playlists? Do you know what's happening? One of the worst things in the world is this, like, kids bop. It's got, like, they got kids bop 165 out now. I thought, wow, this, this pathetic where they take secular, ungodly songs. They change a few words and they have 10 and 12-year-old kids singing along to try to pull in. Listen, it's from the devil. I'm telling you, it is from the devil. And the reason is, is because the kids aren't listening to the edited version. Guess what? Mom, dad, when you're not around, guess what version they're listening to? The unedited version. And so we have to guard these things, man. And then the last one is this, and I've been preaching this for years and years and years. No dating until after high school. Just going to let that sink in for a minute. I said no dating. The first service cheered, so I was just waiting to see if there was any cheering going on. Dead silence. It was like, 
want, want, want. Hey, listen, I said no dating until after high school. Thank you, parents. Man, it, you guys are taking a little while to get along here. No dating until after high No dating in middle school. God, no. No dating in high school. No way. Here's why. Your teen years should be about three things. You ready for the three things? Number one, serving God. Number two, getting great grades. Great grades. Number three, having fun. And that's it. Okay? Serving God, getting great grades, and having fun. That's your teenage life. Go for it. Go for it. Listen, I'm telling you, you have to guard these things and not allow these things to be stirred up in their life. Okay? You have to, you have to fight for your children. If you're single here today, let me give you some boundaries because it's difficult if you're single and you're older. But let me tell you, the first thing you need to do if you're single here today, you need to set up some kind of system of accountability. You need to find an accountability partner. We talked about small groups. You need to get into small group. You need to find somebody that will be real with you, that will ask you real questions, and you will give them honest answers. You find a form, a system of accountability. You find it. Huh? Now, I understand accountability is just what it is. You're only accountable if you want to. If you'll lie to God, you'll lie to a human. But at least it gives you something. Somebody that's going to ask you some real questions. Okay? And the second thing is do is, hey, don't be alone so often. Date in public. Never be alone in a house. I mean, is that just, to me, it's common sense. But it's also biblical. Just, just, hey, listen, don't even let the appearance of evil. Don't, don't, don't give yourself into that stuff. Date in public. Go on group dates as much as you can. Don't be alone. Limit. Here's what we're talking about. With the teenagers, with the singles, we're talking about limiting opportunity. You can't eliminate it completely, but guess what? You can, you can limit the amount of time and the opportunity that people have. Let me just tell you, it's going to be wisdom and it's going to help you. Now listen, as clear as I could say it, sex outside of marriage is sin. It is not a bad habit. It is not, well, this is my vice. It's not, well, this is just something I struggle with. Listen to me, it is sin. Sex outside of marriage is sin, and it is always sin. Let me give you some scriptures. I'm going to throw these on the screen, but I want you to just read them to you. They're from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because it says it so good. Here's what it says, 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse number 9. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. It goes on to say in verse 15, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. 
And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, listen to this, he becomes one. He becomes one body with her. Now, I know you may have heard this, is that we can't totem pole sin. Like sin is sin, there is no big sin and little sin. But do you know the Bible doesn't actually teach that? The Bible does teach that there is sin that is greater than others. Now, because if you go on in the same chapter, listen to this. Verse 15, same chapter. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual morality is a sin against your own body. Paul is writing and he is saying this, sexual sin is worse. The consequences of it are devastating. A soul tie is formed. You become one with the person that you engage in sex with. So the consequences are worse. The damage is worse. This is why we have to understand and this is why we have to teach this because this is a devastating area. I was listening to a sermon several weeks ago that was not on this topic, but a guy said this. He said, the greatest revolution, the most important revolution to ever hit America was not the Industrial Revolution or any other one. The most impactful, the most important revolution to hit America was the sexual revolution. It has caused the moral decay, decay the, the, the downward spiral. It has caused sin to be promoted in our society. And sexual sin is dangerous. It is difficult. Listen, I've seen a lot of statistics that even this week I was studying. You know what I've never found? And I looked. You know what I've never found? I've never found a statistic of married couples. What is the divorce rate of a married couple who were both virgins when they were married? I can't find it. The divorce rate among all couples in America is just over 50%. I'd like to know the divorce rate of couples who were both virgins when they got married. I would, I would bet you that it is significantly lower than 50%. I'm just, I'm just believing that. I did read this. Couples who wait for marriage, listen to this, they have higher relationship stability. They have higher relationship satisfaction. Contrary to popular belief, couples who wait for marriage, percentage-wise, have better sex. They have higher sexual quality in the relationship, and they have better communication. Now, that alone is a reason to wait. But I believe the Bible teaches there is a greater reason, and it is found in this word. It is the word covenant. It's the word covenant. And so we're going to talk about that today. Listen, the Bible, this Bible, this book can really be divided into two halves. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Testament and the New Testament, but it's really the Old Covenant and it is the New Covenant. Both covenants were established and held together, listen to me, through the shedding of blood. The word covenant actually means to cut. And through the shedding of blood, both covenants are held together. The old covenant was held together through the shedding of an animal. 
shedding his blood, his or her, the animal. The new covenant, how many of you know the new covenant is held together through the shed blood of Christ at Calvary, right? So we know these things. So both covenants are held together. They're established through the shedding of blood. Now, if you have the word of God here today, or if you don't, you can follow along on the screen today. Deuteronomy chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse number 13 of Deuteronomy chapter 22. Here's what it says. If any man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her, and charges her with shameful conduct, and brings a bad name on her, and says, I took this woman, and when I came to her, I found she was not a virgin. Then the father and mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city at the gate. Listen to verse 16. And the young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man as a wife, and he detests her. And now he has charged her with shameful conduct, saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin, and yet these are the evidences of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. Here's what the Word of God is teaching us. In this day and age, there was a custom that the father and mother of the bride would make the bed for the married couple on their first night together. They made the bed, they owned the sheets. They would lay out the sheets for the bed for this couple to spend their first night together. One of the reasons they did this is because if the man would say the very next day, this woman was not a virgin, You gave her to me. Remember, fathers, we give our daughters away. You gave her to me as a virgin, but she is not a virgin. Then the father and mother will go in and take the sheets from their first night, and he'll bring it to the elders of the city, and he will say, look, here's the proof that my daughter is a virgin, and this man is lying. Here's what I mean. When God created a woman's body, he created a woman's body that in her first act, in her first sexual act, her first encounter, she would bleed during sexual intercourse. That blood would flow over the man's body, forming a covenant. Did you hear me now? Remember I said... The old covenant and the new covenant is held together and it is established by the shedding of blood. Well, I'm here to tell you that marriage is also a covenant. It is not a contract. It is a covenant between a man and a woman. And God created. I said God created a woman's body. And he did it for a reason. He did it so that their first act together, their coming together, as a husband and wife, also included the shedding of blood. And that act and the shedding of blood that that act caused forms a covenant that is recognized between a man and a woman and God. That's why this is so important. Because we come to understand that marriage is a covenant. Now you say, well, Pastor, I'm I'm here today and... I've made my mistakes. I, I, I have blown it. I, I didn't save myself. I, I, I failed. I'm here to tell you today there is grace and there is forgiveness for you. 
God's mercy is reaching out to you today. And even though you can't get certain things back physically, guess what? Spiritually, you can get a fresh start today. Spiritually, you could say, hey, I'm closing the door on the past and I am moving forward. Spiritually, you could say, hey, there's no more of that. I'm going to begin to walk in holiness and purity. I'm shutting the door on my past and I am moving forward with God. You can do that today. But if you're here today, listen to me, every teenager, every preteen, every mom and every dad, the gift of virginity will only be given once and it will only be given to one person. You will never give it away more than once and you'll never give it to more than one person. That's why this is the greatest gift that you could give somebody. Did you hear me now? I said this is the greatest gift that you can give somebody. So this is what it should look like. It's a wedding night. You go back to the hotel. You're sipping on some non-alcoholic champagne. Glory to God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Come on now. You, she says to the, the man, I'm going to go slip into something a little more comfortable. He puts on his silk robe, <laughs> ties up a knot, does a few push-ups before she comes out of the bathroom. Nobody here has ever done that. Just, you know, I'm just saying other people in other churches. Huh? She's in there getting all dolled up and she comes out. Listen to me. This is how it should go. And they give each other the greatest gift anyone could ever give somebody. And they say, this gift I reserve just for you. It is yours and yours alone. And they give each other the gift of virginity. And that night, through the shed blood, a covenant is established in their life. And God is watching, and they move forward in grace and holiness and purity. That's the way God intended it to be. Hallelujah. That's what God intended. And so we have to Listen to me, mom and dad. Listen to me, grandparents. Listen to me, anyone that speaks in a teenager's life. We have to do everything we can to fight for our kids because the world's trying to take that gift from them. The world is trying to take it. Would you do this this morning? I'm gonna ask Pastor Mark to come. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute? I'm telling you right now, this is such a serious topic. And I know there's been some humor, and I know we've laughed a little bit. But I also know maybe there's somebody here today that gift was taken from you by somebody else. You didn't give it away. Somebody stole it from you. If that happened to you, listen to me. And listen to me clearly. I believe with all of my heart, God still sees you as pure. Because you never gave it away, it was taken from you. I believe that with all of my heart. But I'm here to tell you this. If you're here and you're still waiting, it's worth the wait. Do you hear me now? It is worth the wait.
you hold on and you be strong because you are carrying with you an incredible, incredible gift. It is so powerful. It is so important. And you're only going to give it to one person. And you're only going to give it one time. And I'm begging, I'm imploring you, hold on to that gift. Because it is a gift like no other.